So yeah, you, you probably want to diversify out a little bit. I don't think um, having company stocks a bad thing, and, and I always kind of limit my clients. A little rule of thumb is is about ten percent. So ten percent or less is is okay, but anything over that, I'd start to kick it back a little bit. It's time to retire with confidence. Welcome to Unlocking Your Financial Future with financial advisor Ben Schrock. Thanks for tuning in to Unlocking Your Financial Future, the podcast that talks about retirement, investing, financial planning, a little bit of all that. And we do so with Ben Schrock every week, the owner and financial advisor of B.A. Schrock Financial Group, serving the Cleveland and Akron area. And and Ben, we just uh, we just finished up Thanksgiving for anybody listening to this you know, when it was released. Are you a Black Friday guy? Do you get out there and do any shopping on Black Friday? Usually I don't. So the, the only exception is my father-in-law and I will sometimes run out to the sporting goods section. And if they have good deals on ammo and guns, we, we might go snag a few. But <laughs> usually I stay in. I don't, I don't go out in that mess. Yeah, most of it can be done online now. It's a lot different than it used to be. Uh, but I think it's crazy the people that go out on Thanksgiving evening and spend time in line or shopping. It's it's wild. It's and funny. here in, in Northeast Ohio, it's like it could be you know ten degrees. It could snow. Right. You know you, ne- you never know what you're going to get up here. So yeah, and people wait outside for it. So yeah, it, it's it's a little bit crazy. The sporting good one. That's a good one because I uh, when I lived in Connecticut for a little while, there was a sporting goods store that always had good Black Friday deals. And it was never like Super Craddock's. It wasn't one of the big name brand ones. But I remember picking up a snowboard once uh, on Black Friday on a really good deal. So I get out there from time to time as well. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Today, we're going into the mailbag, Uh, something we haven't done a whole lot of. We've answered a couple of questions, but we're going to dedicate this entire show to answering your listener questions. Questions have come in from listeners of this podcast who sent them in online to Ben's website at bashrock-fg.com. You can also send them to us on Facebook, like uh, the B.A. Schrock Facebook page there. You'll get these episodes and a lot of content from these podcasts, but also you can reach out and uh, communicate with the team there as well. So we're going to go through a number of questions that we have this week on a couple of different topics and all are very, very pertinent. We're going to start with Charlie, who uh, says, it seems counterintuitive to move out of a house that I paid off 10 years ago, but I'm retiring next month and I'm considering renting a townhome instead so that I don't have to worry about maintenance and repairs. Would that be a dumb move? I don't think it will at all. I think he's actually ahead of the game uh, of the trends that we're starting to see with retirees. I, I have a lot of clients that are starting to move that way. And the interesting thing is I had a client that brought it to my attention and it just kind of clicked one time and they said that it doesn't matter uh, if my house is paid off or not, I still make payments. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he said, well, I, I make my insurance payments and my, I pay my real estate taxes. So I'm making payments regardless. So I'm always going to have that payment. I'm like, that's really interesting. And when you look at it from the rental standpoint, yeah, you're going to pay your rent. Um, but you're also, you don't have the, the property taxes to pay when you have a little bit of insurance if you get home or renter's insurance, but it's not as bad as homeowners. So again, he had some really valid points with that. So I don't think it's bad. I really don't. I think it's ahead of the game. Honestly, I, I bet more and more people will start doing that here in the near future. And I mean, it's also, what are you going to do with the money that you, you sell your house with? So using those funds, um, investing them a, a proper way can also help cover the cost of rent. So I, I think it's, I think it's genius. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I, you know, I didn't, hadn't really thought of it in terms of, you know, what's that difference in, in cost between your taxes and your insurance versus what your your rental payment would be every month. Some cases it might not be that much different at all. No, I, I I I don't think so at all. It Plus depends on where you live, and you'd have all that income as you mentioned to to reinvest and and 
hopefully uh, increase your assets. So yeah, very interesting question, Charlie. That's a good one. Sally uh, writes in about fees and commissions. She's wondering, are fees and commissions the same thing in the financial world or are they different? That's a good one. I mean, they're actually different. So we're a fee-based advisory firm here. And so we charge a fee based on the assets under management. So if we manage a $100,000 account and our fee is 1%, we're going to make $1,000 you know, throughout the course of the year. And that would be billed monthly. So whatever that number is, 80 some dollars a month. Okay. Now, if I'm going to put up on my broker hat and sell you a mutual fund, if I sell you a mutual fund for a commission and it's an A share and it's a flat commission, say it's 4%, I'm going to make $4,000 up front. And that actually comes out of Sally's $100,000. So that $4,000 comes out and she actually starts with $96,000. And the internal cost will be a little bit lower on that mutual fund, but that money does come right out of the pocket. So again, I look at it from a perspective of if I'm charging a fee and your 100000 goes down to 90000 I'm making less money. Okay. And probably Sally probably fired me by then, but if I haven't talked to her because of her losses, but if I sold her that same mutual fund and that 96,000 that went to work for her for day one dropped to 90, do I honestly care? I mean, I would, I have a conscious, but I've already been paid. All right. I've already made my four grand, you know, it dropped. Okay. So be it. It doesn't really affect me. So that's kind of that the way that I've always looked at it to say, that's a little bit of a conflict of interest there. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely prefer the fee-based world over the commission-based, but they are not the same. They definitely work different, and I tend to favor the fee-based world. Thanks for the question, Sally. And remember, like, there's a lot of questions that might seem basic to you in your mind, uh, but a lot of times there's many other people thinking the same thing. And I think fees and commissions is a great question that other people are probably wondering about, but maybe afraid to ask their advisor or somebody that they're considering. Let's take another question from Lucy. She writes in and says, how often should I be meeting with or talking to my financial advisor? I get a birthday card from his company, but that's about it. Yeah, we kind of talked about that a couple episodes ago and meeting with clients and, and how often do we meet. And, you know, I, I again, I'll, I'll say that like we did last time. It, it's a lot on dependent on the clients and the client situation, you know, at least annually, you know, at least a touch base to kind of review, make sure things haven't changed and sitting down face to face is always advisable. As we get closer to retirement, I like to crank up those appointments and make sure that we're sitting down more frequently to stay in touch of any, you know, important changes. And then there's a lot more management that's going on in terms of the portfolio because there's a lot of times that we cannot manage like 401k assets. So we really want to dive in deeper and take a look at those holdings and see how can we position them in a way that's going to be as predictable as we can have it for that time when we actually do retire. And then as we retire, you know, that, that year that we retire, we meet with our clients a lot. And I, I tell people all the time, don't be surprised if you meet with us, you know, six to eight times that year of retirement, because we're doing a lot of different things. We're meeting with attorneys, potentially meeting with our Medicare specialists. If we're of age, we're going over social security and when to file. And actually we file sometimes for clients in our office with them. And then also building out that plan. And, and so that, that year of retirement, they you know kind of crank up the meetings. And then thereafter, once we're retired, it's that constant review and uh, meeting quarterly is always advisable in retirement. So again, I kind of answered there, Ben, and, and I apologize for that, Lucy, because it's not a easy answer. It's just dependent on the individual. And I always tell people I'm not charging for my appointments. So you can come in as often as you want. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Yeah. If you ever felt like you need to have a conversation, you welcome somebody calling out and reach out, right? 
Absolutely. I encourage it. And, and I think, and, there, and I always tell people too, there's no question that's too small for us to answer. If it's a, a simple as, Hey, I'm looking at buying a car. What do you think? You know, and I won't give you advice on a car cause I don't know cars, but I'll give you advice on where to take the money out or um, if it fits within the budget for sure. Right. Thank you, Lucy, for that question. Our next two are both about 401k. So let's start with Kevin's. My employer said they're going to stop matching 401k contributions in a few months because they have to offset rising healthcare costs. If I'm not getting a match, should I stop contributing to my 401k and save money somewhere else? We could probably talk a whole episode on that one, but I think that would definitely be advisable. Now, again, we'd have to dive in a little bit deeper in Kevin's situation because uh, we want to know if we want to put some more money into some tax-free vehicles like a Roth, um, or do we want to go the traditional route and and try to save some money on the taxes on the front end and go with the traditional IRA. So it depends on his situation. But yeah, if a company's not matching, I would lean towards doing it elsewhere and and, and not getting their match for a couple of reasons. Um, Not just because we're going to make money off of it, really, it's more in terms of what that 401k offers. So most 401k plans are restrictive in terms of how what the funds are available to him. So Kevin's not going to have, you know, a thousand different mutual funds to choose from or any individual equity he wants to buy or bond or whatever we would have the opportunity to put him into here in our office. He's going to have a family of funds, maybe 20 to 30 different funds if he's lucky. A couple target dates, a couple balance funds, a money market fund, and, and that's pretty much it. So his fund selection is going to be limited. And uh, I think we can accomplish a lot more with a more tailor-built portfolio for him outside of his 401k. Yeah, Kevin, that's a great opportunity for you to to sit down with a professional and figure out what your options are. You, you know, 401k might be your best option, but as Ben points out, there might be a lot more out there available to you that you might not even be aware of yet. So sit down with an advisor and have that conversation. That's a great question. Andy also has a 401k question. She's kind of opposite into this. She has invested a lot in her company. She says, most of my 401k is invested in company stock. Is that bad? Wow. Yeah, it depends on the company. Now, um, <laughs> Yeah. If you're too overweight in anything, I think it can be a little bit dangerous. It just depends on the time of the year, obviously, and and the time of the market with the market being pretty much all-time highs. And and as we have this conversation and when it airs, it's probably going to be in two different points. But yeah, I I think you got to be properly diversified, Andy. I I don't think you need to uh, put too much money into company stock just in case something happens. You know, A lot of times when people work for a company, we have one here locally, Smuckers, they do a, a great, give clients a great opportunity to invest in their stocks. So sometimes when people work for that company, though, they, they become a little bit more invested emotionally with that company because they actually work for them and they love what they're doing or love the job. So they, they tend to be a little bit more overweight than they should. And in reality, they have to take a step back and look at it. If something happens that one stock and you're overexposed and they see a 10%, 20% pullback, uh, you're going to be exposed to all of that. So yeah, you'd probably want to diversify out a little bit. I don't think um, having company stocks a bad thing. And, and I always kind of limit my clients. A little rule of thumb is is about 10%. So 10% or less is, is okay. Um, but anything over that, I'd start to kick it back a little bit. Okay. Good answer. Thank you, Annie, for that question. We got time for one more. And it's from Beth. Uh, my IRA seems like it's bouncing up and down every single day, and the roller coaster drives me crazy. Does that mean that it's time to get out of the market and invest in a different way? <laughs> 
you know, that that's pretty common today. So I, I don't think it's uh, out of the norm at all with the market going up and down. And and I would expect it Beth to be continuously going up and down for the you know next year or so. So I think that's the new norm in the market though. And I don't think it it means that we have to pull out altogether. But if it's something that's keeping you up at night, causing unnecessary stress, then the market might not be the smartest place for you. Again, I think you should still have some money allocated in there. I think maybe the better question you should ask is maybe why is it doing this? Am I uh, intersecting in terms of my mutual fund holdings? If we take a look at it, we have the software here, Ben, in our office that we can dive in deeper and actually look at the the guts of a mutual fund and see in Beth's situation, what is she actually buying? So she owns maybe 10 different mutual funds inside her IRA. And we can actually determine inside those mutual funds, she's intersecting or buying the same thing over and over and over. So if we see something going on in the tech world and, and she owns a lot of Apple, Facebook, Google, things of that nature, her account will go up and down, up and down. But if we're properly diversified or have proper exposure across the board, maybe we would smooth out some of that volatility and it maybe it wouldn't make you feel as nervous or, or as anxious in terms of being in the market. So again, I, I think uh, it's definitely important to be in the market, but it's, you know, everyone's going to be a little bit different in terms of how much risk that, that they're going to be comfortable taking. But I think in her situation, we need to really look at more in terms of what she's actually purchasing. Well, I hope that answers your question, Beth, and I hope everyone that uh, wrote in to the podcast got the answers they were looking for. If you want more information on anything that Ben talked about, feel free to reach out to him and his team at BA Schrock Financial Group. They are online at bashrock-fg.com or by phone 330-473-1060. You can send in your questions online there or on the Facebook page as well. Uh, so make sure you like that while you're online and uh, send us any questions. We'll we'll probably do this again down the road sometime as we compile a few more. But when we get good questions, episode to episode, we'll, we'll squeeze in a question or two along with our main topic that we're talking about. So feel free to send those in whenever you uh, have something on your mind. So that's going to wrap up this episode of Unlocking Your Financial Future. Plenty more to come. So make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And you'll have it delivered right to your inbox. And if you're not on Apple Podcasts, whatever your favorite podcasting app is, subscribe there. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Ben, thanks a lot for uh, going through this uh, with us today. And we'll look forward to talking to you next time. I absolutely enjoyed this one. That'll do it for Unlocking Your Financial Future. Thank you for being a part of this episode. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management LLC, AEWM. AEWM and BA Schrock Wealth Management are not affiliated companies. BA Schrock Wealth Management is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance and investment products. Investing involves risks, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to safety, security, or guaranteed lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investment products. Insurance and annuity product guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing company. BA Schrock Wealth Management is not permitted to offer, and no statement made during the show shall constitute tax or legal advice. You should talk to a qualified professional before making any decisions about your personal situation. We are not affiliated with the U.S. government or any government agency. This show is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual situation.